Okay. If you'd like to draw your conversations to a close. We are in our series on Jonah, and the, the strap line for this series is because life's not fair. Um, and often it, it feels like that. Um, two of our kids have recently broken up for school, um, and the common refrain throughout the household at the moment is, that's not fair. Like, I want to watch TV. No, you can't. That's not fair. Go and tidy your room. That's not fair. Um, often in life we can feel either rightly or wrongly, that things aren't fair. And this morning, we're going to be looking at Jonah chapter 4, um, and we're going to be looking at Jonah and disappointment. So particularly focusing on that aspect of when we feel that life isn't fair and we feel disappointed. And we can feel disappointment coming from a number of different places. It can be external sources. There, there's been lots in the news recently that we may feel disappointed about. So it may be the, the Brexit debate, the EU referendum. You may be disappointed with the results. You may be disappointed with the speed of which it's going to happen. There are many different things for us to be disappointed about. Um, similar on the political theme, you may be disappointed with a number of different leaders uh, thinking they should be doing this or they shouldn't be doing that. Other sources for disappointment. Or maybe the, the Chilcot inquiry out this week after, is it eight years? Seven years. You think, wow, how come it, it took that long? Or even the, the results uh, of it, you think, actually, I'm disappointed with how long it took and with the conclusions that it came to. Um, more seriously, you may be disappointed with the England football team and thinking, of all the talent, of all the experience, why didn't you perform better? That could be disappointing you. Um, equally, and maybe more important, you may be disappointed in the weather, thinking, where is the sunshine? This is supposed to be summer. I know that this is England, but you have much higher expectations, even of English weather. Um, or it might be at Top Gear. Um, you've watched the first series of a, of a new iteration, you think, that is just highly disappointing. Um, so many of these different things you can find a disappointment in. Um, you could find a disappointment in, in yourself, in things that you'd hoped for in yourself. You may find disappointment in God. So we're going to be exploring all of these things this morning. Because disappointment is inevitable. Every single one of us will know that there is disappointment in our lives at some point or another. Even if it's to different degrees. It's an unavoidable part of the human condition. There is going to be disappointment. So there are two questions. What are you going to let disappoint you? Because we do have a degree of choice in this. You can choose to be disappointed about the weather. You can choose to focus on, that, on it and let that disappointment grow in your heart. You can choose to be disappointed about who will be the next prime minister. Or you can choose not to. You can choose not to dwell on it. There is an emotional response when England goes out of the Euros. There's an emotional response. But we do have a, a conscious choice of what we dwell on. We can have that perspective, know that actually will this really matter in, in five months' time or in five years' time or in 500 years' time? That perspective can be helpful. It can also be immensely irritating when someone says that to you in the midst of your disappointment too. So we can think, how are we going to handle this disappointment? 
But sometimes things are just disappointing. There's no avoiding that fact. Do we get disappointed in the right way about the right things? And how do we process this? So as we're going to be exploring uh, the next section in the story of Jonah, it helps to give some answers to these questions. Jonah was called by God to go to Nineveh to speak to the enemies of his nation. Jonah gets up, goes in the opposite direction, and ends up in the belly of a fish. After God's rescue of Jonah, he goes to Nineveh, and they repent. And we might think, actually, that's a good place to stop the story. Jonah goes, eventually, after that struggle, the, the Ninevites repent. Everyone's happy. This is, this is brilliant. But instead, we come back to Jonah. Jonah's response is, his enemies have turned from their evil ways, God has relented, and Jonah is gutted. He's devastated by this result. And so, in the passage we're going to read, we witness him crashing spiritually, theologically, emotionally. He is a disappointed man, an angry man. He's really disappointed that God hasn't blasted the Ninevites off the face of the earth. That is what he wanted to happen. He was looking forward to it. He was seeing that this is an exceedingly unpleasant thing to him. Seems that Jonah was more upset about God's mercy than God was upset about Nineveh's sin. We can see the extent of that. Now, it is important to note that God was angry about Nineveh's sin. We see that in chapter 3. And God is angry at sin, a thing that falls short of his standards. Repentance is vitally important. But we're to get things in the right perspective and make sure that we are disappointed about the right things and worked up about the right things. And I don't know everyone's story across this room, but all of us will be dealing with different levels of disappointment. How do we deal with it? Do we ignore it? Do we shut it down? Do we focus on it and allow ourselves to get angry and bitter? Twelve years ago, I was at a conference with um, someone speaking who had seen many, many people healed on a regular basis. And so I went forward to be prayed for. I've been praying a number of times uh, for a genetic lung condition, and so I've been praying for many times. I went forward. He prayed for me. I definitely encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. And he also had a word for me, saying that you'll be better by Christmas. Um, so it was around this time of year. So we had a number of, about five months of of praying, of fasting, of, of seeking God, of holding on to this hope, and we waited for, for full healing. But come Christmas, come New Year, it didn't come. And we've always been thank, thankful for the remarkable health that I have. We praise God for it. We, even in that moment, saw uh, an improvement, but it wasn't what we were hoping for. It wasn't what we were holding on to God for at that time. So, what do we do when what we hope for doesn't happen? We can ask, is there something wrong with, with our faith? Is there something wrong with, with how we're living? Is there something deficient in God? I was with a friend this week, um, and he was speaking of how he was praying for a guy with a young family who had been diagnosed with cancer. And so they prayed early in the morning, twice a week, a group of people prayed for a year. 
But the, the guy still died, despite the prayer, despite seeking God. And so in these times, do we pretend that it doesn't hurt? Do we turn our backs on God? Do we to- tone down our prayers? Because if we did this, we wouldn't have the many remarkable healing testimonies that there are. We wouldn't see God move in power. And so we, in this life, while we're waiting for Jesus to return, we know that God is in full control, and we see God's kingdom breaking in in part, but not in full. How do we live in that tension? I've been speaking about disappointment, particularly of examples of, of healing, but it's much wider than this. So it may be health, but it may be for you. It might be with regard to a job or exams or an exam results. It may be for a partner that you want or maybe disappointment with the partner that you have. It may be your kids or wanting to have kids. It may be the plan for your life. Maybe you're thinking things just aren't panning out the way that I hoped. How do we respond in these moments? How do we respond and keep pressing on with faith, with realism, living day to day? How do we do that? Well, let's turn to Jonah, shall we? Uh, We're going to be in Jonah chapter 4, page 542 in the Bibles. Let's see Jonah's response. So the people of Nineveh have repented. This is what Jonah responded. Page 542, Jonah chapter 4 and verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. Or if you look down to the note uh, at the bottom of the page, it says, um, it was exceedingly evil to Jonah. He was not happy, in other words. And he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is, this, is not this what I had said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. For now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would come, become of the city. Now the Lord appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. So when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. Lord, we, we look to you in the midst of questions, in the midst of challenge. Lord, we look to you and trust that you are, you are God. And so, Lord, I pray that you would be revealing yourself to us through your word 
that we may be a people who hear your words and respond. Lord, we entrust ourselves you to you today. Amen. Amen. So, um, the first response that Jonah has is primarily there of, of anger. Jonah was fuming that Nineveh was still standing. He was livid. How could God let this happen? Surely the evil of these people was evident before God. We can respond like this. We can respond in anger when things happen, when we see terror attacks, when we see the ugly, ugly response of racism. Why would a good God allow these things to happen? We're not going to spend a lot of time getting into um, a question of, of suffering. We covered that in our objections series um, uh, um, at the end of last year. So you can go onto the website and uh, download that to look at uh, why does God allow suffering. But um, why do things not go the way we want them to when there seems to be no good reason? Our disappointment sometimes comes out as anger. And this, in fact, is, is a natural response, and anger in the correct place isn't wrong. But I want us to notice a couple of things about Jonah. He was happy to accept God's mercy for himself, but not when it was displayed to others. He hates this grace shown to others who don't deserve it. It makes him so angry. And we should notice with, with our anger that it particularly comes when, when hopes are dashed, a goal is blocked, we're overlooked by our friends or left out from something, and we can easily get wrapped up in our anger that it becomes self-destructive. And it's such a contrast to the character of God. Says, uh, says there, the, uh, Jonah lists God's character um, in verse 2. You're a gracious God, a merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. It seems funny hearing Jonah saying this almost through clenched teeth, the anger that, God, you are so merciful. Such a contrast to, to Jonah's response. But the truth is, we can be disappointed at times. Jonah here is quoting God's own description of himself. In Exodus 34, 6 and 7, we, we read this is what God says of himself. It comes after the incident with the golden calf where Moses had been a long time up the mountain with God. The people saying, where, where is he? Where, where's Moses? Where is our God? And so they make an idol, something else to worship. God reveals himself to Moses and then makes this declaration. Where there should have been judgment for the people um, worshipping another idol, there is mercy. So Jonah hates grace being shown to the non-Israelites and forgets how dependent Israel is on that same grace and is moved to anger. So we just need to be watching that in our anger that we are not thinking that we are more important. We need to remember that we are those who, who need grace as much as anyone else. So his first response is anger. Let's look at the uh, second response. We're going to read, um, we've read from, from verse 5, um, where Jonah went out of the city um, um, and made a booth for himself. Um, actually, might, it might help us. So, um, Paul, can you come and be Jonah and sit on the edge of the stage here? Um, so, Jonah goes off and sulks. Can you do your best sulking face? Yeah. 
So imagine, this is, this is Jonah, he's, um, he's really angry that God has relented, and so he sits. Um, you can be the Ninevites, okay, so look particularly evil. Very good. Um, that came very naturally to some of you. Um, so the Ninevites um, are here, and, and Jonah just wants to sit, and he's kind of hoping that actually God's going to change his mind, so there's going to be a big fireball that comes down and destroys the Ninevites. But he, he sits there seeing what will happen, and um, he makes a kind of a makeshift shelter. It's in the desert, it's hot, um, and so there, there isn't much shade, so he kind of tries to pull a few things around him. But there's, there's really nothing that, that happens. Um, but then a, a plant springs up. Rich, you definitely want to be a plant, don't you? <laughs> um, so can you be a plant that's, that springs up um, and, and covers Jonah in shade? <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and notice that the, um, Jonah is particularly happy um, about this. He was exceedingly glad. Can you show us exceedingly glad? Fantastic. Um, uh, but then we see a, a worm comes. Um, I hadn't planned to do this, but... Um, um, Johnny, come and be a worm. Um, and eats away at the plant. Fantastic. And then um, plant, you can wither and die. Nice. Very good. Um, plant and worm, you can go and take your seats. Um, and now Jonah is, is left here, and he is angry enough to die. Can you show me your full-on anger? Look at that. That's a Paul Barnett anger right there. Um, fantastic. Let's, let's give our actors a round of applause. So it's interesting that um, the job's done. Jonah has... has preached, um, the Ninevites have responded, but he sits and watches to see what happens. He is responding here in despair. And he gets to the point where he asks that God would take his life, which is ironic. Only a few verses earlier, God had delivered him. But two verse, chapter 2, verse 2 said, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. So God has, has delivered Jonah. He's, he's happy for his life, and now he's asking God to take it. Disappointment can hit us at any time. So, what I do want us to notice that even though he's struggling in the midst of despair, he still does what God asked him, and he still is crying out to God. And so, in the midst of wherever we are, the important thing is that we still bring it to God, that we can be honest about it, even if we think, oh, I'm a Christian, I've been a Christian for a number of years, I shouldn't be having these feelings. It's so important that we are honest, open, and bringing it to our God. And then the third response that we see from Jonah is that of, of self-centeredness. He's angry enough to die over the plant. You see that um, brilliantly displayed for us. Um, he's concerned with himself. He's not concerned with the well-being of, of the plants. He's not concerned with the well-being of the city. And there's this amazing contrast of Jonah being angry about this single plant that came up um, overnight and then has died. But whereas God is con concerned with the whole city, 120,000 people, Jonah is more concerned about that one plant and how it affects him than this great city. 
It's an amazing contrast. He's disproportionately happy about this vine and then furious when it gets taken away. So Jonah crashes out spiritually, theologically, emotionally. There's a disconnect here from the God who has sent him. But disappointment can reduce us to this, reduce us to despair and thinking that we just need to look out for number one. I'm going to look after myself, and that is all that I'm able to do. This highlights that the problem in our hearts, that our primary concern can be just for us. That's why we needed Jesus to come and die for us, to take our sins. Because when the pressure really hits, often we see we are self-centered. So how do we continue? How are we going to handle disappointment? God reminds Jonah that the vine, the the plant that sprung up was, was all grace. It was given, it wasn't earned, and he had no grounds for complaints when it was taken away. Yes, the, the worm and the, the wind that came were disappointed, were disappointing, but they were not the things to get disappointed about. God is making a point with the plant that springs up, saying, Jonah, you care about the vine, <clears throat> but I care about Nineveh. The plant was, was pure grace. And it was pure grace that rescued Nineveh. And Nineveh is much more significant than the vine. Interestingly, we're not told how Jonah responds <clears throat> to these words of God. But the point is we are meant to reflect on how we will respond. How do we respond in the midst of disappointment? Because the real origin on, of Jonah's disappointment is God not doing things the way Jonah wants him to do. And so it makes Jonah blind to grace. The encouragement this morning is that we are to deal with disappointment and press on into God's mission. To pray with Jesus, not my will, but yours be done. So we've got three things to help us in the midst of of disappointment, in the midst of challenges. How should we respond? Well, first of all, we respond with faith. As we've, as we've said, that there is disappointment in, in life. It's just a fact of life. But when, we, when disappointment hits, we're to respond in faith. We can choose to plunge into despair, or we can trust, knowing that there is a king who will set things right. Jonah didn't trust that God would do things right. He sat and watched Nineveh. So we're to hold on to the truth of, of who God is, Jonah knows it. We saw that in in verse 2. God is is gracious. He is good. He is in control. He is um, sovereign for the long haul. God is working for good. And so even in the midst of of challenges, we can trust the goodness of God's heart. The um, pastor, Tim Keller in New York, says this on, on prayer. He says, We can be sure our prayers are answered precisely in the way we would want them to be answered if we knew everything God knows. That's really helpful when we pray and we think, why isn't it happening the way that I've prayed it? Why doesn't it come to pass in the way that I think it should happen? He says we can be sure our prayers are answered precisely in the way we would want them to be answered if we knew everything that God knows. So if faith and trust that God is sovereign, 
that God knows, and to know that God gives grace again and again and again. He's merciful and slow to anger, such a, a contrast to Jonah's and often our response. He's abounding in steadfast love. He relents from disaster. These truths <coughs> excuse me, carry us through in the midst of, of disappointment. These truths helped us 12 years ago when we were, we were praying um, for healing, and it, it didn't happen as we hoped. Holding on to the truth, knowing that one of the things that really helped us was knowing that God will do whatever will bring him most glory. God will do whatever will bring him most glory. That may not be what is on our hearts and what we'd love to see, but God is about his glory. We're confident that he is in full control, even whether we see it or not. And so when in responding in prayer, my response since then has always been to put myself in a position where God can work if he wants to. And so going forward for praying for healing regularly. And there are times you go forward full of faith, times when it's really hard. But put yourself in a position where God can work. So we're to look to him, to trust in him. Focus on God first. Seek first the kingdom of God. And everything else will be added unto you. Everything else will be in its right place. So we respond in faith. Secondly, we respond in hope. Jonah chose to go the despair route to think that my life is not worth living. I might as well give up now. We're to choose the response of hope, to center our hope on the future return of Jesus, not on the issue that is in front of you. And it, it, is, it is really hard to do in the midst of disappointment, in the, the midst of real heartache, to cling to that hope, knowing that there is um, a day when Jesus returned that we have a, a hope when we'll be with Jesus forever, then all pain and suffering will cease. It is hard, but we need to be centering on the hope that there is in Jesus, to trust in him, knowing that it's not down to our good works. It's not even down to our good response to disappointment, solely in the trust of what Jesus has done on the cross. Along the way, we're to be cultivating thankfulness, We've just done a series in Philippians talking about joy in all things and in all situations. Jonah misses out <clears throat> on joy because he is trying to control the agenda. Joy comes when we come as children to our Father. We're to know that God loves us unconditionally and wants to draw us into a relationship with him, knowing him as our perfect heavenly Father. So we can come with our emotions, we can come with our fears, we can come uh, with our joys. Also in this, it, again, it's a, a difficult balance. We need to be real with what is going on, but not sulk. We need to be real. If, it, if it's hard, we're not to ignore it, we're not to pretend that it isn't there, but we're not to wallow and dwell in it. It's also why God's put it in community together so that we can walk alongside one another. Notice that Jonah was all alone. We're to say, this is really hard. Would you pray with me? This is hard. Can we just spend some time together? It's so important for us to be in community for, and for us to be real with others. And then finally, our response should be that of, of worship. We're to be keeping that right perspective. At the end, God uh, points to Jonah, look, look at the, the, the people that is 
before you. Look at what is on my heart. And we think, actually, Jonah, God has called you to go and preach repentance. You've gone, you preach repentance, and the whole city responds. Why aren't you celebrating? Why aren't you rejoicing? Because I've gone, I've proclaimed the word of God, and everyone has responded. I think, I think most of us would take that, wouldn't we? If we went to a city of 120,000, we proclaim the word of God, they all respond. I think that, that's a pretty good day. But Jonah, at his heart, isn't seeking worship of God first and foremost. It's by worship that we participate in, in the age to come. I wonder if we can turn uh, to Psalm 73, um, page 338. Page 338. Psalm 73, verse 1. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogance when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. And then verse 16 and 17. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Here the, the psalmist is, is disappointed. He's challenged. He sees other people prospering, other people doing well, when their heart is not for God, when they are not doing things right, and yet they seem to be blessed. There's disappointment there. But then perspective comes when I went into the sanctuary of God. Perspective comes when we realize what is really important and um, good health and a good job and um, riches and all the other things that we think this is going to be really important in contrast to the um, amazing blessing that there is in God for all eternity. There is no comparison. Life can be confusing, it can be painful, it can be disappointing, but worship brings us into clarity. Worship makes us more like Jesus and less like Jonah. You may know the story of Horatio Spafford. We've, we've mentioned it here before on a Sunday morning. In 1873, he found out that his wife and his four daughters had been in a terrible collision at sea, and their ship had gone down. All four daughters died, and it was just the latest in, of awful news in, in three horrifying years for the family. They lost their son in 1870. Then a massive fire ruined them financially, all before the horrors of this accident at sea. And so Horatio Spafford received a telegram from his wife saying, saved alone. Only his wife had survived. All four daughters had died. So he crossed the sea to meet with his wife. And as he did so, he wrote the hymn, It Is Well. It says, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Can we say that even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of, of deep disappointment? 
Disappointment in ourselves, disappointment in others, disappointment in circumstance, disappointment in God. We're to be those that bring it to Jesus, to respond in faith with who God is, with hope for the, the future, and worship that God is good in each and every situation, even when we don't understand what is going on. We're to know that God is a God of grace. His purpose is to see souls saved across this earth. And he calls us to join on that mission. And there will be times of challenge. There will be times of difficulty. But God is with us. He is for us. He is good. And we can say, it is well with my soul because we have a gracious and merciful God who relents from disaster, who is here alongside, who gives us strength to face every single situation. So we do not need to fear. (coughs) We do not need to to worry because God is with us. He goes ahead of us. He's placed us in community. We have his word. We have truth in our hearts. We have the Holy Spirit amongst us. We have confidence. We do not need to, to shrink back, but we advance together for his glory so that we could see his name uh, praise in each and every situation. Amen? Yeah. Amen. What I, I love us to do is, um, I believe God wants to speak into a number of different situations uh, of, of disappointment. Um, uh, so it'd be great to, to hear what God would say. So in a moment, we're going to have a, a moment to, to respond, to hear what God would say to us. And then we can, can take that. We can come to, what, come to communion and we celebrate, we, we hold on to the hope that we have in Jesus. And in the midst of, of challenge, in the midst of difficulty, we know that there is a God who is faithful, there is a God who is safe, and there is a God who leads us on. So I wonder, can we stand? I'll pray, and then we'll just have a, a, a moment to, to wait on God to see what his, he would say amongst us.